want to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3. Um, one of the things, there's always this tension of whether we should put the scriptures on the screen, not on the screen. And, and, but, but I would say this, even though they're on the screen, I'd encourage you to dig into your Bibles and underline stuff if it, something sticks out to you. And um, as I read the scriptures, for me, it's such a visual thing of kind of knowing where on a page it's at and you get used to a Bible. And uh, that's kind of how I learn as to even just a visual part of it. So, But the last three weeks... We've been looking through this lens of the gospel, and we looked really at three parts, and the parts were this. The first one was the need for salvation, the idea that there was a brokenness, what happened with Adam and Eve, and they walked away from a relationship with the Creator. But God wasn't satisfied to leave them there, and He, um, he pursued and He responded by sending His Son and put a plan in place that would, that would restore that broken relationship. You think of God in that last song, even you know, God becoming man and, and dying and paying the penalty of our sins. Really, there's a, just a tremendous picture of what God has done in our lives. But third, last week was that idea of responding to salvation, it's our response, and we looked at some of the words that the scriptures use of repentance and receiving and believing and faith and confession. But I would remind you of one more thing here today, and we got to just dig a little bit here, in that there's also an issue that goes beyond those three components. And I hinted at it last week, and I didn't go down that path, and it's the idea that God has to work as well. That it's more than just a response, that the Holy Spirit has to work, and I think that's what we're going to see here this morning. So I'm going to read John chapter 3, uh, these number of verses here, and you can follow along as we walk through these. It says this, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that, uh, that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these, these, these things be? And Jesus answered, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. And if I have told you earthly things and you do not receive, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so, most, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. 
Now this is, we're going to dig here just a little bit this morning, and even as I was studying this week, I go, oh shoot, I wish I could spend two or three weeks on this, but we're not going to be able to do that. But one of the pieces here, salvation is a sense, is a fruit of the gospel. You think of Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it is the power of God working. But this idea that there's a fruit of it, and, and i got to push us here because there is really, there's a miracle that's going on in the process of salvation. Now, now to back up, I, I would say this, when you think of salvation and how the world looks at it, I would remind you again that there's many people in this world who believe, they, they read the Bible and they believe in Christ's work on the cross, and yet their belief has not taken root. Something hasn't sprung forth. And some people believe like this. Well, God is love, and obviously he would never send anybody to hell. But, but here's the, again how, they go, how the reasoning goes. Therefore, because he loves us, the work of Christ means that all will be saved. And the technical term there, if you don't know that term, it's a universalism, universalist, that would believe that where everybody gets to God. And it makes sense for them and to believe and embrace that all people are on a journey and everybody's going to kind of end up in the same inclusive tent in the sky. But realize that the belief of universalism again, is held by people who claim to be followers of Christ. But I can tell you this morning that if Jesus were here, he would tell them that they're wrong and that there's a great deception that Satan is doing in that area. But to dig farther in the text, understand that there's some astounding truths here, really, that contradict that belief. And that should push us, frankly, to worship the triune God. And we realize here, in this text, there's a miracle that takes place. And it's a phrase here in this passage, really, that confuses people as well. And it's this phrase, born again. Now, what we just read, you hear Nick, a religious ruler, a devoted teacher, he would, he would have been equivalent of at least a, a Bible scholar, a professor at some seminary. He understood the scriptures. And, and even listen to his response, Rabbi, as, as he comes and interacts with Jesus, you're a teacher come from God. No one can do these signs if you're not from God. See, he, here's a man who shows great respect for, from for Jesus and he recognizes that yeah this guy is important and and you go almost almost you sense this guy has some kind of faith almost but i think it comes up short see he was spiritually intrigued he was curious he wasn't a rejectionist and yet we find in this passage at this point in his life he was still blind but you notice something here, the response to Jesus, to his statement. And you catch here what he doesn't tell him. He doesn't tell Nicodemus, okay, Nicodemus, you know what, you need to repent, you need to follow me, you need to have more faith. No, he doesn't 
talk about those things. Matter of fact, what we see is that in one sense, he throws them, maybe to use a baseball analogy, he he throws them a brushback pitch. And, And he goes after his heart. And it reveals something for us today to take away from it. If you're taking notes with the bulletin notes, I said it this way, number one. The fruit of the gospel is a miracle. And what is revealed to Nicodemus is that being born again is necessary for salvation. Look again at verse 3. Let me put them back on the screen. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, unless... Verse 5, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, now get this, this would have stunned Nicodemus and maybe confused him, and you can see that confusion coming out by his questions. But I think this applies so much to us today. Needing to be born again was true back then, as he speaks to Nicodemus, but it's also true for us today. Unless one is born by the Spirit, there is no salvation. But to push this a little bit farther, this text doesn't imply that born again is some nice idea, or that that it's a religious experience somehow to ask for. Now, this is important. It's of eternal importance. If we're going to be with God for eternity in the kingdom, being born again is critical. Now recognize as this exchange goes on that Nicodemus believed that he was keeping the law. Very religious, following the rules, a teacher, and he would have believed that just that should have tilted toward him, yeah, I should be able to be part of the kingdom of God. But you realize this statement, Nicodemus, you have to be born again. And as I ponder that, I recognize that's not a popular message for today. Matter of fact, if Jesus were to come back here today and he go on CNN or some talk show or The View with those ladies... Proclaiming to the to the audience to those ladies, ladies, you gotta be born again to see the kingdom of God. You know what a hap- You know what would go on? Twitter would go crazy. Okay, Jesus, you're intolerant. How dare you? You're so unloving by that statement. But you see the exclusiveness that Jesus is telling us here. I find a, found some a couple phrases here, kind of cute. Let me put those up on the screen. If you're born once, then you die twice. If you're, bo- if you're born twice, then you die once. That's true. See, by being born again, by the Spirit working, we see that we have the opportunity for eternal life. But let me give you another significant part of this. Number two, God is the initiator, the author of the second birth. Look at verse five again. Jesus answered, 
Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. See, he's telling Nicodemus here, the Spirit of God, that part of the Trinity, has to work in the salvation process. Now understand the claim of Christ here at this point, and something this might raise an eyebrow for a few of you, but folks, a, a man can repent, a man can talk about belief, it can even do some confession, but if the Holy Spirit does not work, there is no salvation. That's what Jesus is saying. And folks, this is a part of the mystery of salvation. Yes, man has to have a response, but the Spirit has to work. God, through the Holy Spirit, has to work, or man's response is going to come up short. So when one talks about salvation, we, I think we forget that at times because we ignore this piece of the Spirit working. We don't emphasize it. And yes, we go, God is the one that made the plan. The Son is the sacrifice. All who believe are granted eternal life. But that fourth piece, we've got to remember that born again is absolutely necessary, and the Spirit has to do that. A miracle has to occur in order for salvation to really take root. But folks, there are some results of this miracle going on. And in your notes, number three there, letter A, I'd remind you of this. As the Spirit works, He gives us new life. I, I think back to, as a father, the first time I held my children. Isn't there this sense of awe that says this, wow, new life. Folks, that's the picture of being born again. There is new life, a new birth. Now, it's, in one sense, it's this. It's raising people from the dead to give them new life. Because when you, when you stop and think about it, well, let me put up a verse on the screen, Ephesians 2.5. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Do we recognize that? That before salvation, we were dead people, spiritually, in the spiritual sense. Let me put up a statement on the screen so you just catch a visual of, that, of this. Do we realize that the power of God that was needed to raise Christ from the dead was the same power that was needed to move us from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive? I, as I was pondering that stuff I saw in the screen on the computer there was a zombie movie that was being advertised I didn't open it but I, here's the picture do we realize that people who don't have Christ who've never been born again are spiritual zombies so when you go to work tomorrow when you see somebody and you go do you see them as a spiritual zombie they're walking dead. There's no spiritual life in them. See, a miracle has to take place in that transformation. 
But let me give you another piece, letter B. He's given us the Spirit to commune with us. See, so often we keep defaulting to think of salvation only as a positional thing, a legal thing. We've been declared righteous because of the cross. We are positionally free. And we emphasize, yeah, we're, we're a citizen of heaven. And that's all true. But here's where I think we need to be captured much more deep within us. It's this miracle of the new birth we fail to appreciate the relational beauty of being in Christ. Let me give some pieces to this. I think we fail to recognize that going all the way back to even creation, when Adam and Eve were on this earth prior to sin, that there was a communion that had to been going on between the triune God, the Father, Son, and Spirit, and the love that was overflowing into Adam and Eve's life. And there was this union and communion that was going on through the Son and the Spirit. But the first couple, they rejected that community. And they chose instead to love themselves, and they gave in to a lie that they could be like God. And that the bond that they had with God at that moment was broken. So this new birth is a restoration of the communion that Adam once shared with God. The restoration is now generated by the Holy Spirit. And there is a real new relational restoration. See, at this rebirthing process, this rebirth, the Spirit is given to us and it's put into our souls. Let me show you a picture, a couple verses that are very pointed in this area. Look at Ezekiel. Look how it reads here, Old Testament even. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, capital S there. And cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey my rules. See, the Spirit has been given, put into our souls at that being born again to reestablish that relationship. And even in John 8, where it talks about the wind, or John 3, talking about the wind blowing here and there, that's the Spirit that can blow into our hearts and it creates a new heart. And it takes out the old heart of stone and it puts back a heart that's soft and and pliable. And it gives us the opportunity then to respond to God, to believe Him, to follow Him, to, to obey Him. See, when the Spirit rebirths us, there's a bonding that takes place now and the relational changes are real. I, I, I think of a, a soft heart and what it can do in everyday life. But maybe there's examples when you go, how how do we commune with the Spirit? Have you ever been reading your Bible someday, and and you just came along and go, oh, wow. Oh, wow. And you have to respond maybe in worship or something. And you go, that's the Spirit wanting to commune with us. Have, Have you ever stopped, and you realize that, you know what? Sin is gripping my life. I need to turn. What's going on there? 
The Spirit is working. He's communing with us in such a way, going, can get rid of the sin. Repent. It, has there ever been a time you think of conviction to love somebody? And has any time ever come over you where you go, oh, you just got to love that person. You got to serve that person. What's going on? It's the Holy Spirit. He wants to push us, to pry us, to stir us up. That's the communion of the Spirit within us. Has there ever been a point where you just, I had to have compassion, where I've just had to worship? That's the Spirit. If we didn't have that, our hearts would be hard. We wouldn't recognize those things. See, do we believe that the Holy Spirit being born again, where the Spirit has been given to us, do we listen? Do we listen when he tells us, love the Father, love the Son? Do you ever listen to the Spirit where he says, don't keep record of wrongs, give compassion, give yourselves to God, Walk with God. The Spirit says, follow God. Do we sense that? Do those thoughts ever come into our souls? Now, he, now I would say this. If, the, if you never have those desires, you need to stop and ask the question, are you really born again? Is the heart still hard? Or, or maybe this, maybe sin is choking you off from those things, from hearing the Holy Spirit. See, the Spirit is the presence that actually helps us commune with God. Let me go a little farther, though. Another piece to this miracle, letter C. We have a new ability to know His love. And this is so profound because I think we think that God just somehow is out there. But look at Romans 5.5. 5. And he says this, and the hope does not put us to shame. We have hope. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, as the rebirthing process goes, you recognize God's love is being poured into us. Tangible, real love through the Holy Spirit. And we can begin to sense and hold on to and grasp and take a hold of his love. Let me show you Lamentations 3. It's, it's a passage that I use in, in counseling a lot. This can resonate if we know, if we've been born again, this can resonate in the soul. Look at how it reads. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him, and the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seek him. The Spirit is within us going, the Lord's mercies are new. He wants to give them to you tomorrow, today, next week, next year. He wants to communicate to us the love that the Father has for us. But Nicodemus, back to Nicodemus, you recognize he had a problem. Because he's telling Nick, you don't have the Spirit of God within you. And it's why something is missing. It's why you can't see the kingdom of God. 
You see, are we hearing the Spirit communicating the presence of God? Nick didn't have it. Now, I've got to go down a little path here. You understand we use this phrase, phrase spirituality in this world, and it's used a lot. But our spirituality only exists because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And people who talk like there's a spiritual thing without God, it's not real, really true. It might be their own spirituality, it's rooted in the self, but it has nothing to do with God. Yeah, we were created having a human spirit, but in the transcendent sense, it's impossible, spirituality is impossible without the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And it's impossible to be, be born again. If you're not born again, you're not going to think about a whole lot of spiritual things. Why? Because there's a heart of stone. And it will never absorb and relate to the things of God. So Jesus is saying, Nick, you are spiritless. And all your spirituality is worthless. You're dead towards God. See, but when we do have the Holy Spirit, when rebirth has taken place, we can now participate in God's life and love and communion. But let me point out one more thing that happens when we're born again, when we're given the Spirit. And, and this list isn't all-inclusive, by the way. Could, could, have, could have dug into this text a whole lot more than this morning. We're just kind of surfacing it today. Letter D, though. He has given His Spirit so we may have power. See, when we are born again, when we start walking, communing with the Spirit, something is generated within us. There is a new ability. And the evidence is the Spirit's work within us. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Here's evidence of the Spirit of God working in us. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. See, without being born again, the Spirit cannot birth those things into our hearts. And one will never have the power for these qualities to rule our lives if we don't have the Spirit, if we're not communing with the Spirit. And you recognize that if none of these qualities are being generated, the question is, are we really born again? Has the Spirit really worked? Or is sin choking off any kind of communion with God himself? Is our independence blocking what he's wanting to do and stir in our hearts? But do you, we've got to stop here and go to communion, but do you sense this reality of the Spirit working, being born again, is setting us free, and it's a miracle that literally is taking place. And He wants to commune with us. 
And we're called to remember and be reminded of what the Spirit is doing. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We're going to celebrate communion today. And, and one of the things that we can do is respond to God and just say, God, I want to worship you. And when we're born again, there should be an attitude of going, how do I worship you? How do I give my life to you? How do I give my all to you? And that's what we want to do today. What we're going to do, we're going to do it a little bit different today. The guys are going to hand out the bread and the cup at the same time. And we're going to start singing while they're doing that. And I would encourage you to worship him. And then we're going to take the communion, uh, do the communion after that first song. But we want to just stop and we want to remember the miracle that God has done in our hearts. He's rebirthed us, given us the Savior.